today on CityCast Madison. On the News Roundup docket this week, will millions in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race prove decisive? Madison Alders want staggered terms. You'll be the judge on that one. And the spokesperson for the Madison School District is trying to bury the lead with a lawsuit. It's Friday, March 31st. Bianca Martin is here. Molly Stentz is here. I'm here, Dylan Brogan. And here's what Madison's talking about. It's the Great Friday Roundup, where we round up the news and wrangle it into submission. And this week, of course, we have Molly Stentz. Welcome, Molly. Yeehaw! Bianca Martin, thanks for joining us once again. Wallaboop! Hello! (laughs) That was my Western noise. (laughs) Wallaboop! (laughs) Good Western noise. Thank you. Pew, pew! You're our top cowboy, or top (laughs) cow gal this week, and we're talking about the Supreme Court, right? Yes, we are. The Wisconsin Supreme Court race is the most expensive state Supreme Court race to date. Uh, And it's been... Ever? Ever. In in our state, and I think it was third nationally, like in the nation, like nation's history. So it's very expensive, and the money keeps pouring in. West Politics reported this week that the price tag is nearing $45 million, and election day is not even here yet. There's still time to spend more. Woohoo! There's still time to spend more. Not that, uh, yeah, I'm advocating for that, but say la vie, right? The big headline, though, is the liberal Milwaukee County judge, Janet Protosiewicz, is pretty significantly outspending her conservative opponent, Dan Kelly. She's raised five times more than Kelly. But the gap is narrowing, but it's pretty, pretty significant. Where's all that money going? Ads. I don't know. Did you guys expect, would you expect this big of a disparity? I guess I didn't. I expected the money, but not this big of a gulf. I think Democrats are very, very committed to changing the majority of the ideological majority on the court, right? Abortion's on the ballot, and that's fueling a lot of national interest, and hey, it it shows. I feel like every time we talk to Jeff Mayers, all he says is like, Ben Wickler of the Democratic Party is a fundraising machine. And like you said, Dylan, in terms of the court, the balance, it's been under Republican control for the past 15 years. So, and this would be determining, you know, the balance of the court for the next two years. Not that they're partisan, because they're not officially. Right, 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 right. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like I kept hearing about all the outside money that was going to come in for Kelly. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Justice Kelly, he said to this group up in northwestern Wisconsin, he said that there are nationwide organizations that really care about the rule of law, about constitutional order, and that they are going to spend to promote our campaign. This is a quote from him. Um, but I don't know. It's you, it's pretty significant gulf still. And they're seeing like fundraisers, like, you know, all sorts of celebrities across the U.S., which obviously celebrity endorsement helps a lot. I, I saw Julia Louise Dreyfus from Veep and Seinfeld and Alana Glazer from Broad City, like canvassing online. And I don't know, there's there's a lot of national attention on this race. And I don't know if the outside money's coming in for Kelly necessarily. Do you think that stuff helps having a celebrity? Yeah, I think it does. It Yeah. People like celebrities. That's what they tell me. So it's just like, I like Seinfeld. Therefore, I like Judge Janet. Pretty much. Or people like Veep. Molly, you don't like any celebrities? I guess I don't. <laughs> I like Steve Buscemi. I don't think he's... Ah, 
yes. Really but, relevant to this combo, but I love. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, if he starts canvassing, maybe he would be. But yeah, I feel like why we're seeing you know all of the attention, regardless, like is the fact that Wisconsin St- State Supreme Court came one vote away from overturning Biden's 2020 election. Like that's how close the the court is and the, and the balance of power. Like people are very aware, you know, about what's going to come for the presidential election and knowing that it's more than just this moment, that there's going to be long, you know, downriver effects of whoever gets on that seat. I wonder if it was the other conservative candidate, Jennifer Darrow, if she was there, if the spending from national groups on the Republican side would be different because it kind of seemed like there were powers that be, Milwaukee Talk Radio, that were really pulling for her. And uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot by by saying Dan Kelly couldn't win before the primary. I just think it might have been a more interesting race to see two women on the ballot. Also, our our court like has the most women or has like tons of women. Yeah. For a minute, it was all women. Hey, who run the world? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I know ter- early voting turnout is looking very strong. So people all, you know, you say what you want about all this money. It does seem to get people out to vote at the end of the day. I don't know if it's money, but I just got to say, I think it's kind of nifty that people care about judge races because I feel like a lot of times these spring elections are just like, <sighs> people are like, oh, what? I got to vote for a judge? I don't even know. What What even? I, I haven't been to court. What do, what do I know about a judge? Well, I was thinking about not voting, but then I received my what? 12th mailer. Shut up, Dylan. <laughs> you were thinking about not voting? What do you mean? The first nine, I wasn't convinced, but the 12th one. <laughs> I'm just joking around. Everyone should vote regardless. <laughs> well, there is, there's more than just the Supreme Court race on the ballot this year. Right, Molly? We know that's the big ticket one this time around, right? And there's also the mayor and city council. But okay, there's also these questions. Did you know there's going to be six questions on your ballot here in Madison? Yeah, it's like trivia, kind of. And your life is on the ballot. So there's three questions that are on ballots statewide. So everybody across the state is going to see these things on their ballots. And two of them have to do with kind of conditions of bail. One of them has to do with welfare requirements, work requirements. But then here in Dane County, there's an additional two questions. And those are, you know, pretty straightforward. You can kind of figure out what they're after in the language. One of them is about whether we should have a nonpartisan redistricting system, like the people who make the maps for our political candidates, should that just be like a bureaucratic state agency as opposed to politicians? And then one of them has to do with the right to privacy around uh, marriage and abortion. So they're advisory. It's not like they're force of law. So that's just like, Dane County, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. But then in Madison, there's another question. We love questions. So in Madison, there's this question that I think is flying a little bit under the radar, maybe people haven't heard about or are talking about or maybe even don't even know what to do with it, right? And it has to do with our city council and how we elect our city council, right? So the question is, should Madison stagger our city council elections, right? So we have these 20 alders and they're all up for election every two years. And the question is, should we change that? Should we basically elect half the council 
So you can kind of think of it like, should the election be a little bit more like the Senate, how we elect our U.S. senators rather than Congress? Like, you know, the House of Representatives every two years versus the Senate. Only a third of the Senate is up every term so that there's kind of Mm -hmm. a staggered. I have to admit, I mean, there's so many. But I mean, you're only voting for the alder in your area. So maybe this doesn't weigh in. But I kind of wanted to know more about the alders across the city. And there's so many to get to know at once. So if there were, you know, half of them, if it was staggered, there might be some benefits there where there's, um, I don't know more space to get to know them. What do you guys think? It would be easier for reporters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's just totally self-centered thinking about it. But then that. again, it's always an election year somewhere. Yeah, well, that's wrong with that. <laughs> more, more fodder to well, more, write about. More politics into the system. Like when you think about people running for office, does their posture change? Is it different? Is it harder to get comments or things done when they're running for office versus when it's just regular business? I think that part of the reason why this is on the ballot, and because I think a majority of the alders do support this, they must have, it's on the ballot, uh, is to hopefully have not everybody sort of learning how to be an alder at the same time when there is new alders, which It does take a little while. Like people say the first term is just like your learning term. You know, the first two years are kind of throwaway. Like you're just trying to learn. How do you introduce a resolution? How do you even get on a committee? How does how do you work with city staff? How does power work? You know, how do I even functionally participate? Should voters be able to kind of do a clean sweep and, you know, throw the bombs out all at once? Because like, as you mentioned, Bianca, Alders are elected by district. You only get one. So it would it would really have to reflect the mood of the entire city for everybody to kind of vote in a similar way in order to have this like a big turnover effect. Well, we're getting big turnovers now and not because voters are ousting people, but because we have so many incumbents that don't run for reelection. Totally. And it, it does kind of feel like with city council, people can and do quit at any time, kind of outside of the cycle. And it does seem like incumbency is kind of the bigger thing at play as to whether you're effective or, you know, whether you get things done on council. Do you guys know what tea fogs is? What are you, did you say tea bagging? What did you say? No, I said tea fogs. <laughs> I did not. I heard tea fogs. Get out of here with that other <laughs> stuff. Tea fogs, the task force on government structure. Oh. So this is something the city has been, the council has been doing for a while. And it's basically, how do we improve the council? Because each alder represents so many more people than they did 20 years ago, yet there's the same number of alders. So they've thrown out all these ideas about how to make the council better. And basically the public is like, nah, on every single one of them. (laughs) But this one, I feel like maybe could pass because it seems like a straightforward idea. Well, I got excited about the fact that there was so many people running because I was thinking like early on, Molly, what you were talking about, a couple of people was like, you should run for Alder to me because they're like, we need more people interested in this. And it was like, well, this time there's tons of folks interested. So true. It's good to see. That is true. There was a lot of nice competitive elections this time around, which we like in uh, democratic societies, right? It's good to see. So yeah, that question will be on the ballot. All right. Well, I got a fun topic for us to discuss. Super fun. It's about (laughs) the school district and PIOs. But first, we're going to hear from Bianca, who's already planning for the weekend.
speaking about the public interest, man, what is going on with the Madison School District? What's such a not a good few months for just public relations for the district. So I don't know if you guys heard about this, and it's part of my never-ending quest <laughs> to make complicated things less complicated and uh, things that you should care about because I care about them. Um, but anyway... <laughs> NBC 15, they have a reporter there, Elizabeth Wattis, and she's been going after the district a little hard for open records and just how long they take. And she did a story about parents, right, who are just waiting months and months and months to open records. Well, wait, wait, wait. Like, those are our records. She has every right to. Yeah, it's state law. So she did an open records request in December for her own name and uh, the station she works for. Classic. I love it. And what came back was hundreds of emails or whatever, but also this 14-page complaint against the communications director for the district, Tim Lamones, and he has sued to prevent it from being released. Wait, wait, but he sued the district. He didn't sue the reporter. He didn't sue NBC. He sued his own boss. Yes, to prevent, he's asking a judge to, to not release this 14-page complaint because uh, releasing the subject documents would almost certainly subject Mr. Lamones to unwarranted, unfair, and irreversible public ridicule and gossip, negative public perception, and jeopardize his ability to credibly perform his duties as the district's chief public spokesperson. Ah, so basically, a reporter's like, hey, school district, I would like some records. And the school district is like, "Mm, we will think about it. And... Maybe just keep thinking about it for a long, long time. The reporter got her records, but what it just, and I don't think she planned it, but what came out of it was her name was somehow in this complaint that district staff made against Tim Lamones, who is the spokesperson for the district. And now he is blocking that complaint from coming out. Other staff in the Madison School District are complaining about the spokesperson, right? And then she's like, okay, let me see it. It's a public record, public doc, you know, let me see it. And the spokesperson's like, no, 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 no district. You cannot give it to her. Lawsuit. Boom. 100%. And uh, remember, the district, it won a NOPI this year from the Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council. Bianca, do you know about these? These are so cool. These are the best contest in town. How does it spelled? It's like nope E, because that's what I'm thinking about this Totally. <laughs> The top open records attorney, uh, Tom Kamenick, said he has received more complaints about the Madison School District than any other government agency in the state. That happened in March. Now we have this drama with the public spokesperson. And I have only made things worse by uh, submitting my own records request with my (laughs) name as the keyword for the same reporting period. Because... Evidently, that just gets all the good stuff. Wait a second! Don't they have enough going on on their plate? <laughs> you, you're getting in the getting into the dirt. Non denial, denial. No, I honestly, part of me, my my first reaction to this story is, uh, maybe we don't want to know, <laughs> like, which is a bad reaction. But I think it's also hilarious that he's like, it's almost, it's gonna hurt his reputation. But I, did I also see like that it might hurt the like district's reputation? Well, it's interesting, right? Because so his argument, like legally, is, hey, I'm I'm the mouth of the district. Like I'm the voice. I'm the spokesperson for the district. And if you, you know, district, my boss, if you basically put out this information that makes me look like a fool, it makes you look like a fool, right? Because I am you. And it's supposed to be public, though. That's the kicker. That's the default. And it's just like, if you didn't do nothing dirty, 
<laughs> then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. The takeaway is that the Madison School District is looking for a new superintendent, and it's just lost a lot of public trust lately, and they really got to straighten this. They shouldn't be winning nopees and filing lawsuits to keep prevent records from coming out. And that's kind of been the, like, I don't even know, open secret in Madison is that the school district yeah. is has not been good, has not been forthcoming at responding to journalists, at responding to open records requests, which is the law. Or parents or school yeah. board members. Let's uh, keep an eye on that one because our time is short today and we have one last important story to mention. <laughs> Burritos are back in the news. Okay. They are, Molly. And this week, they're crime fighting burritos. Did you see this headline? Okay, let me read it to you. It's a good headline. Half-eaten burrito ties suspect to firebombing of anti-abortion group's Madison office. I mean, that caught my attention. Another important thing. So they caught this person or arrested him, at least, and he's going to be facing some serious charges. Graffiti had a big part of this, too. Uh, He had very distinctive cursive graffiti that he put on the anti-abortion group's wall and uh, the Authorities also saw similar cursive graffiti on the Capitol, so they used all the cameras downtown to track this person to a parking lot in downtown, and and then they had a little stakeout, and they followed him, and he was eating a burrito at the parking ride, and then he threw out half the burrito, and that's how they got his DNA. So Well, that was the second crime. <laughs> they obviously hasn't agreed. I, and it's a horrible joke. It's not funny, but it was funny. Cut, cut. The second crime is throwing away the burrito? Half of a burrito. How dare you disrespect burritos that way? You have to, I mean, when something's very dark, that's where humor is helpful. I mean, obviously, we're not making light of the crime that he committed, but then he dropped a burrito that tracked him, and CityCast Madison is pro-burrito. Okay, good. Glad we cleared that up. We shouldn't have done this one, you guys. We should not have done this. I agree. This one was too fraught. There's a lot going on here. But that's what we do on the Roundup each week. (laughs) We do fraught things. It's better than doing crime. I would also say, just for all the kids out there, remember, when you're doing graffiti, you know, mix it up. Don't use your regular handwriting. I like how that's your takeaway. Mine was like, maybe don't throw away the burrito. Sometimes the wrangling goes better than others, but I had fun. Molly Stentz, Bianca Martin. Thanks. We'll do it again. Yeehaw. That'll do it this week for CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. You can get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. If you enjoyed today's show, why not tell a forensic analyst scraping DNA off a half-eaten burrito about us? I wonder if they're allowed to wear jeans. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then, 